Well, if you have your Bible today, I want to I want to uh, kind of uh, uh, we're going to springboard off of a message that I shared in here last week called the God who answers by fire. And we found out that the fire of God, it really represents the presence of God, the presence and person of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, a, a lot of us don't really, don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know a lot about the Father. We know a lot about the Son. But we don't, we're not as familiar with the Spirit. And what we found out last, last week from that, from that message is, is when God intends on breaking a spiritual drought, when he wants to turn the hearts of his people back to him, he sends the fire of his presence. And we learned about that from uh, Elijah's perspective. And if you didn't get to hear that message, please go to Calvary.online. You can hear that message there. You can go to our YouTube channel. and Make sure you're subscribing and turning on notifications. So anytime that we go live, um, you can experience that. But the reason that I am sharing this, which I want to share right up front before I get to the, the kind of crux of, uh, of, of the, the details. And we're going to spend weeks really learning about why does God give himself to us? Why does God give the Holy Spirit to us? And here is why. I am sharing this now. Listen, I feel in my spirit uh, 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 like a tension that's going on. I believe we are headed toward perilous times, even more perilous times. I believe that we are headed uh, to some, uh, for some people, uh, a, a shaking that, that if you're not living in the constant awareness of God's spirit, you're probably going to be shaken. You're probably going to get into the place of fear. Now, the opposite of living uh, by the Spirit is living by the flesh. And we know that if you live according to the flesh, and according to Romans chapter 8, you die. Okay, there's just death, living, flesh-led living. We understand, and I mentioned weeks ago that uh, uh, the flesh... It has an inaccurate imagination. It doesn't lead us into the purposes of God. But the Spirit of God will always lead us well regardless of the atmosphere. And you and I, as the end-time church, and by the way, you're super blessed to be the end-time church, okay? You're super blessed to be the end-time church. It's not, it's not like, wow, man, why did we have to live in this age, okay? No, no, we are super blessed. We are more blessed now than any other age uh, before. But what I want to share to you is, is ease and comfort is not the aim of God's presence on your life. It is not. It is the manifestation of Jesus to the world. That Jesus would be manifested through your life 
in the midst of all kinds of circumstances. So when God sent the fire in that story from Elijah, when God sent it, we understood that the sacrifice made way for the fire to get to the stones. And I I don't go through that whole story, but there were 12 stones that represented people. Okay, they represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And the fire came. It consumed the offering, but it also consumed the stones. It also came upon the stones, which represented people. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Listen, I recognize that in this place, there will be today people from various backgrounds who come, who come with all kinds of, of, of perhaps religious convictions and doctrinal uh, uh, history. But today and in the weeks ahead, I want you to hang on. I want you to listen. We're going to get to know the Spirit of God because He is the one that will lead us in the last day. He is the one that will comfort us. He is the one who will, who will build us up in the Spirit. You are going to begin to understand how to, to properly manage your home by the Spirit, how to properly uh, uh, you know, uh, deal with many, many of the tensions that are rising in workplaces by the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit as the church in a community that is trying desperately to reach others. So today I want to begin this message called Holy Fire, starting with this message called Pentecost. Pentecost, I mean, most of us just know the word Pentecostal. Penta means 50, and Pentecost was a feast, which we'll talk about. But the reason why I bring up Pentecost is because this is the day that the Holy Spirit was given to the church. The baptism of the Holy Spirit was given to the church. And let's, let's uh, begin here in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 21, and then we're going to see some of the blessings of Pentecost. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there, there came a sound, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. There's the fire that falls on each one. And one sat on each of them and, uh, and sat on each of them and the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was a uh, dwelling in Jerusalem. Um, let, me, let me just do this. There we go. Then there uh, appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. One sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone who heard, heard them speak in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are all not... Are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Uh, Parthenians and Medes, Eliamites, and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene. 
uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, these are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, this is a glorious, glorious passage which, with much to unpack. But uh, when you read it, you know, most people... I'll be honest, I grew up in a church where we never, ever read Acts 2. We never read Acts 2. Well, matter, I, it almost felt like we avoided Acts 2. I went to a Christian school with hundreds of students. We never read Acts 2. Uh, we never studied Acts 2, never memorized Acts 2. It wasn't until uh, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, in a touch of fire at age 21, and I begin to hear the voice of God begin to speak to me that I begin to investigate, oh Lord, what is this? What is this? What is happening in me? And, and then we begin to see that, wait, God promises an outpouring of his spirit in the last days. And there will be signs and wonders and divine uh, uh, connection and divine communion between man and God and divine empowerment by God uh, uh, upon his people. Now, we here at Calvary believe that each and every believer can still be baptized in the Holy Spirit with all the benefits and the gifts manifesting subsequently as the Spirit wills. You say, what does that mean? That means miracles did not die with the last apostle. You know why? Because miracles are connected to Jesus, and Jesus is raised from the dead, and he will never die. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was a miracle worker then, he's a miracle worker now. And I, I, want, to, I want to tell you today that you today are meant for more than just trying to be good. Come on, that ought to set you free. Anybody in here ever struggled to be good? Come on, I got my hand up. The rest of you are liars. You're not good. I can tell right now. You're not lifting your hand. Okay? Either, either you're embarrassed or didn't put on deodorant this morning. I don't know what the problem is today, but we need to get into honesty. Honesty actually is, is what the Spirit of God would say. And so if you've ever struggled to be good, could it be that we're aiming too low? Could it be 
that we're just we're thinking that Christianity is behavior modification. It is not. It is the transformation of fallen flesh into the image of, of the resurrected son through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then fruit of the Spirit show up and gifts of the Spirit show up. And we're going to dive into all of that in the weeks ahead. But I just want to talk to you a little bit, give you a little bit of an overview, kind of get your feet wet. For those of you who are not the, hey, I'm ready to jump in the Rainbow River this morning, 72 degree water. You don't, you don't just jump in. You kind of tiptoe in. Here's your tiptoe sermon today, okay? We're going to tiptoe into the waters of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you have nothing to be afraid of. If when I mention the Holy Spirit, fear rises up in your heart, that's the devil. You never need to be afraid when you're a son or a daughter of God, of the Spirit of God. You never need to be afraid of God. That's demonic. Now, let me give you, let me give you how, how much this, this passage is important to God. First of all, you need to see that in, in, in this Pentecost moment, there was a promise connected. There's a promise of Pentecost. What was the promise? It shall come to pass in the last days, notice what God says, that I will, not I might, not if they ask just right, not if they really behave, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He said, I will pour out, this is a promise from God. And as you and I need to, uh, as we're, we're navigating very dark days, it is good to know that God says, I will immerse you in my presence. I'll immerse you in the very person of who I am. Notice how important it is to Christ. In Acts 1, 4, and 5, he's speaking to his disciples who have walked with him for three years, and he says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Notice that word, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So what does he say? Now, now don't forget this. Please listen. He's already given them this instruction go into all the world and preach the gospel, okay? He gave them that instruction. He says, however, hang on to that, that command until after you have been empowered to live in that, that instruction, that command. The empowerment to live uh, for the, the preaching of the gospel, the spreading of the gospel, the empowerment for ministry is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the truth, the backdrop of all of this. Why do we call this Pentecost? Most of us, if you're uh, uh, a Gentile in here, Pentecost, it, it, when you hear the word, you think of women who, who don't wear makeup, skirts real long, real, uh, you know, their hair's in bondage, you know, it's like, oh, all up there, you know, you hear the word Pentecost, you got different ideas. There's like a religious connotation. When a Jew hears Pentecost, he thinks party. He thinks celebration. You see, Pente Pentecost was a feast 
celebrating God's provision. It's also called the Feast of First Fruits, meaning, meaning, wow, look at how God has blessed us. We have sown, God's given us increase, and now the very first fruits are coming up, which they were called to offer to God because God always wants to be first. And they would bring at this, the Feast of Pentecost, they would bring this offering of first fruits. So this is the, this is called the Feast of First Fruits, where they celebrated that God had provided for his people, and they were going to what? Celebrate this truth. What were they going to do? They were going to eat. They were going to, they were, they were, they were going to barbecue in kind of our southern way of understanding the Bible. They are going to celebrate. Let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Jesus died so that we could experience the, pers- the, 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 the blessing of Pentecost, the promise of Pentecost, the, the Holy Spirit coming on us so we could what? celebrate God giving to us what we really need to live for him. That is the the beautiful connection. It's 50 days after Jesus' work on the cross, 10 days after his ascension. Notice what Luke 24 says. These words from Jesus are powerful. This says, then Jesus said to them, thus it was written and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the, on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So we see that Christ died here so that we could receive the promise of the Holy, uh, of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me give you a simple prayer to add to your morning devotion. Holy Spirit, I need you now. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Your day may be perfect, lined up, schedule all in place, everything all prepared. I promise you, you will need the Holy Spirit. Think of this. Jesus died so you could experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Think of the links that Jesus went to so that you and I could experience the presence of God in us and working through us. That is the glory of our God. So there's a promise connected to Pentecost. And anytime God makes a promise, he keeps it. Secondly, there's promotion connected to Pentecost. This outpouring of God's spirit. Acts 2, 17 and 18 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Old men dream dreams. On my men servants and maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Listen, the promotion of Pentecost is that all believers baptized in the Holy Spirit are commissioned to do what they could not do previously. You see, in the Old Testament, 
The only people that the Holy Spirit would rest upon was prophets, priests, and kings. There was only three. And yet here is this wonderful pronouncement that when Jesus dies, that spirit and that privilege and that promotion is coming to every believer in Jesus. That is glorious to think about. That suddenly I'm going to go from one who was just a far off. I had to trust that the priest is hearing from God. I had, to, I had to trust that the king was leading by the spirit of God. I had to trust that the prophet was saying the words of God. But now through the blood of Jesus, all the believers get a promotion that we all get to hear God. We all get to be led by God touched by God and filled by God. The New Testament believer gets a promotion. I love this. We said it all week at Royal Family Kids Camp to foster kids. This is what we said all week, for 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may pro proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen, he said, you're just going to go from the average person to a royal priesthood. You're becoming God's people who are set apart unto him. And it is because of the markings of the fullness of the spirit of God in your life made possible, listen, by the blood of Jesus. I like to say it this way, New Testament believers get an upgrade they didn't earn. My phone loves to give me these little um, notifications about updating my apps. In order for them to run properly and for them to try to track all of my data, I see what you're doing. Thank you, Apple. Ask app not to track. Uh, they're constantly updating and updating so that it runs seamlessly. What I love about it is that you don't have to pay for the upgrades. I want to tell you today, in the kingdom of God, you don't have to pay for the upgrade of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we have got to remove the religious connotation that says somehow if I pay enough religious penance, if, I, if there's enough obedience, if there's enough, if there's enough service, if there's enough uh, external expression, then somehow I might achieve the baptism. No, what positions you for the baptism is the grace of Almighty God. We are saved by grace, and here's what I'm going to tell you. You're filled with God's Spirit by grace. It has nothing to do with what you have earned. It has everything to do with the gift you received when you place faith in Christ. I love this. Acts 2 it says, and there was dwelling in Jerusalem a lot of Jews and devout men from every nation. It says, 
And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? That's what you have to pay attention to. And how is it that we hear them in our own language? What they were saying is, they, these guys are fishermen. They're saying they're uneducated. There is no way all of these people from this uneducated area, there's no way for them to have learned these languages and to be speaking them. It was an upgrade they didn't earn. They were simply glorifying God. Look at the upgrade during persecution. Listen, I, I told you earlier that there is perilous, perilous times coming upon the earth. Very trying times. And we understand that by the Spirit of God, that, that we are called to shine brightly in the midst of that. So where do we find the examples where we can draw faith and hope? We'll go to Acts 4. So during persecution, it says this, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. So what do you need during times of persecution? I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my personal life. It says, and the, the rule, he, he sp speaks to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. If you skip down to verse 13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let me remind you of that prayer I said to pray every day. Holy Spirit, I need you today. I need you today. I need your presence. And, and really, when we're asking that, he never leaves us. What we're asking for is for our awareness of him and his voice to be elevated. Lord, I want to be aware of you. So we find that there's the promise of Pentecost and the promotion of Pentecost connected to the baptism. But then there's the people of Pentecost. And the people of Pentecost are really divided into two groups. The seed and the harvest. Let's talk about the seed. These people who become a seed. It says, and then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now listen. All spirit-filled believers become the seed God sows into the field of the world. This is what God does. Listen, why do you think there is so much pushback in culture to this glorious gift that God gives to believers when he fills them? Why is there so much pushback to tongues? Here's, a, here's, here's why I believe it is, because God uses it to win the lost. Because God uses it to win the lost. 
Here's, here's what we found. On day one, these people didn't, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they didn't know that they were going to suddenly be God's evangel evangelistic campaign. There's, they're on day 10 of a prayer meeting. They're praying in an upper room. I have stood in this location in Israel in the upper room where they prayed and contended, where the, the sound of the wind came and the fire came and sat on each one of them. Listen. I've been in that place, but those people that day did not know that they were about to be launched by the Spirit of God as an evangelistic campaign to all of these Jews who came to Jerusalem, listen, because of Pentecost. They didn't know that. The city's crowded. It's buzzing. And yet God takes these spirit-filled believers and as they're magnifying God in languages they never learned, all these people heard them. And it was a sign and a wonder. Now, here's God's glorious plan. Every Jew and every person who called Israel home was commanded to celebrate Pentecost. It was actually commanded, listen, you need to come in and celebrate this feast. Notice what Deuteronomy 16, 11 says, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. That place was Jerusalem. That is where the temple was. And he had placed his name there. Everyone was commanded to come and celebrate Pentecost. They didn't know that God had set them up for an encounter, literally, uh, uh, you know, almost a thousand years before, actually thousands of years before, as they begin to celebrate this. Now they come into the city, they think they're just celebrating Pentecost, and suddenly 120 people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in languages they never naturally learned, and that day, listen, sons and daughters were used. Listen, it wasn't just men. It wasn't just men on the day of Pentecost. It was men and women. They all were begin to speak the wondrous works of God's of God, and every believer, listen to me, every believer is a candidate to become a seed in this in this great field so that there will be a harvest. Every believer, the lie that's out there, which we will we will we will address for uh, you know it's 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 just many people think well oh I'm, that's just not my gift no the baptism of the holy spirit is for everyone 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for all. That's why 120 were, were baptized and all 120 who were there in that prayer meeting, all were baptized in the Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, all of them in Samaria were baptized. In Acts chapter 10, all of them were baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, 30 years later, same message, believe in Jesus and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those disciples in Acts 19 said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And while, the, while, while they were speaking and believing, they... They actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every believer is a candidate to be used by God to bring in the harvest. Every candidate, you, you who couldn't imagine standing you and, and, and proclaiming the message of the gospel, yes, you. You who are shy. You who are introverted. See, most people th actually think that introverts are, are, are just, they don't like people. No, they just recharge differently. That's true. But that's the difference between introverts and extroverts. You think that ex extroverts are just, you know, they're just people. Uh, they're, they, they just, oh, man, they just love people. And introverts, they hate people. No, that's not true. No, extroverts recharge in relationships, and introverts, they love people, they will interact with people, but they recharge alone. That's the difference between introvert, and there's nothing wrong with being more introverted. Here's what's wrong. In blaming your personality why, uh, on why you're not available to be used by God. Because every personality type, men, women, sons, daughters... All became seeds God sowed that day. And then the other people of Pentecost showed up. You say, who are they? They're the harvest. And listen, if you're here today and you haven't yet surrendered your life to God through Jesus Christ, you need to hear the message on day one when the Holy Spirit was given. On this day, you need to hear I pray that the, the veil would come down that, that's been keeping you from really seeing who Jesus is. As I proclaim to you this message, which was proclaimed that day on Pentecost, Peter stood up and said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Do you remember what I said last week? What is reigning and how Jezebel reigns and she reigns through perversity and God's answer to, to compromise and perversion and idolatry is the fire of his presence. That is the answer. And notice what this says. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I believe as we, we stand on the precipice of, of, of experiencing Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But then it says this, but there's deep darkness upon the people. 
There's deep darkness. And yet the people of God are supposed to be bright and shining and full of light. What is the source of that light? It is Jesus and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our life. And listen to me, church. Listen, there are many who need to be one to Christ through the, the Spirit-filled preaching of the gospel. Listen, the gospel is not just a, it's not just a declaration of words. Listen to me. It's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today, I want you to know there is much, much opposition, but you can overcome in this last hour through the fullness of God's Spirit. We're going to learn to walk with God's Spirit as a church over these next few weeks. We're going to learn about him and learn to walk with him and, and say, God, would you help us to answer our call as the church? I want you to bow your heads.